the show the establishment warned you about. Welcome back. This is the Thanksgiving edition, broadcasting from the free state of Florida, in the heart of Florida, in Tampa, Florida, from Echelon Health Studios. If you're new to the program, thank you for joining us. And if you want to subscribe, and if you've uh, already done that, thank you. Go ahead and subscribe on Rumble. That's where you can watch the show. You can also listen to it on any of the podcasting platforms. And you can find those options at drtommy.com slash podcast. If you're in the area and you want to be a member of our concierge medicine program at Echelon Health, go to drtommy.com. All right. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I wanted to start off with some good news. There's been so much bad news in the news recently. I was reading this right before I came on. This is on Breitbart. And this is about some strangers who met on uh, Thanksgiving years ago after uh, inadvertently texting each other. It says, this is from Breitbart. Strangers who met after accidental Thanksgiving plans text still meeting seven years later. When the best laid plans go astray, accidents can take place and the outcome can be just as good, if not better. Just ask Jamal Hinton and Wenda Dench, total strangers who met seven years ago after a text message seeking Thanksgiving plans went wrong. On November 22nd, Hinton shared a photo standing outside Dench using a outside a cheesecake factory. So here's what the people look like. All right. For those of you listening, it's a, a white woman and a black gentleman. It says here, it all started like this. In 2016, Dench from Mesa, Arizona, accidentally sent a text to Hinton telling the then 17-year-old that Thanksgiving dinner was at her house on November 24th at 3 p.m. It was meant for her grandson, who had changed his phone number. Instead, Hinton got the message while sitting in class at, at, Desert, at Desert Vista High School. When the teen asked who sent it, Dench replied, your grandma, with an, with an elderly uh, woman emoji. Hinton wrote back asking for a photo to prove that really num- the number really belonged to his grandmother. After she sends a selfie of herself at work, he replies with a photo of his face and a text that's saying that she's not his grandmother. Can I still get a plate, though? Hinton gently suggested. Of course you can. That's what grandmas do. Feed everyone. She replied with a piece of cake emoji, and so the pair have continued to this day. Hinton told his social media followers last week the two would be celebrating the day together again. In an interview earlier this week with azfamily.com, Denton and Hinton reflected on their friendship. I would have missed out on this wonderful relationship, uh, Denton said, when asked about what would have happened if she hadn't invited Hinton over years ago. I've changed my view so much of the younger generation, and now I've reflected back on all these years. I didn't change their life. They changed mine. That's a nice story, isn't it? So here we are. So that's just to go counter to the media narrative of several media narratives. One is the media narrative that all stories must be stories of negative, negative things. Also goes against the media narrative that black and white people hate each other. Uh, that's that's not only a media narrative. That's a narrative pushed by mostly all, all the uh, establishment type uh, leftists that you see, including the. Uh, former first lady of Michelle Obama recently said that she was not able to wear her, uh, her hair in a natural state because uh, her husband at the time was the president. And when she was in the white house, that was, it was not able, she was not able to wear her hair in her natural state, which I presume she preferred rather than the chemically straightened form, which she wore her hair because Americans weren't ready for that. And you see us Americans, we were just too racist 
us non uh, I assume non-African American uh, Americans because she was she said that those people would not be uh, comfortable so I assume she meant people who were white or otherwise not black anyway she said that you know we weren't ready for that and it would have it would have distracted from her husband's uh, pushes that at push at that point to try to get uh, Obamacare rammed through Congress which they successfully did so I wish you had actually worn her hair that way if it did distract from his plan back then that would have been nice so we wouldn't be dealing with the hell on earth that is Obamacare currently uh, that being said, this just goes to show you that despite what the media says, black people and white people in America do not hate the, do not hate each other. And uh, this woman, this white woman, was not looking to oppress this young black man. And this black man was not uh, looking to uh, attack her uh, violently, as they do in New York, routinely, apparently. Uh, uh, black black hate crimes there are in New York. You see them all the time attacking people. So all the things that you see in the media aren't necessarily uh, what's what's the reality in real life. It brings me to think about all the kids that I see when I go to pick up my daughter. There's all kinds of skin color kids, and uh, I never hear my daughter even even really talk about it at all. And it just reminds you when they are so young like that and innocent, how their minds have not been perverted yet. And mostly perverted by the the culture, the rotten culture that we have, and especially the rotten media that we have that teaches you that people that are different skin colors are different people uh, entirely, and they must uh, live different lives and be treated differently, and and people are oppressing other people. And when they're young like that, they don't even think like that. And thank God these people didn't think like that either. And then we have this nice story. So that's a good story for us. Uh, this is another thing about the media. This is a. Uh, this is a brand new report. This is from Breitbart. Uh, report Colorado gay nightclub shooter identifies as non-binary, uses they, them pronouns. This is from uh, Jordan Dixon Hamilton. It says Anderson Lee Aldrich, the suspect who allegedly shot and killed five people and wounded at least 18 others over the weekend at an LGBTQ nightclub in Colorado, identifies as non-binary and uses they, them pronouns, according to a court filing on Tuesday night. Aldrich, 22, is facing multiple murder and hate crime charges stemming from last weekend shootings. I'm not sure what the hate crime is then. If he's they, them, and he's at an LGBTQ nightclub, that's where you get into trouble with these hate crimes. Uh, what, what makes a hate crime a hate crime? If I murder someone, let's say that I'm uh, Richard Ramirez, the uh, the night stalker, and I'm and I'm a murderer, and I murder children, and I murder people. And I do all kinds of disgusting, uh, perverted, uh, sadistic things to people. But I murder them just just because. I don't murder them for any particular reason. Is that a better murder than if I murdered them because I hated them? Or does that mean that if I did murder them, don't, don't doesn't by definition, does that mean I hate them? At least on some level, or at least dislike them? Or at least don't have anything uh, you know positive to say about them? Does that constitute a hate crime? But that doesn't, right? But anyway, this guy was charged with hate crimes, apparently. Guy, girl, whatever you want to call them. They, them. However, Aldrich's public defender revealed that Aldrich is non-binary and uses, quote, they, them pronouns, the New York Times reported. In addition to the programs, uh, pronouns, Aldrich is referred to as, as Mix Aldrich in the court filing. So that's MX as opposed to MR, MRS, or MSI. M-I-S-S. Anderson Aldrich is non-binary, a footnote in the filing states. 
They use they them pronouns and for the purposes of all formal filing should be will be addressed as Mix Aldrich. How the hell do you Okay. The news about Aldrich's identity came after Democrats and members of the corporate press politicized the shooting and blamed Republicans for the tragedy. Now that was predictable as hell. For example, NBC's Ben Collins claimed that, quote, Republican politicians and, quote, the Internet's far right machine targeted LGBTQ plus individuals in the months leading up to the nightclub shooting. But I think we have to come to I think we have a come to Jesus moment here, as reporters Collins told MSNBC. Are we more afraid of being on Breitbart for saying that trans people deserve to be alive? Or are we more, afford, or are we more afraid of the dead people? Because I'm more afraid of the dead people. Democrat Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez blasted Colorado Republican Lauren Boebert, Lauren Boebert as a, quote, bigot who motivated the shooter shortly after Boebert issued a statement condemning the violence in her home state. This is on Twitter, apparently. At Lauren Boebert, you have played a major role in elevating anti-LGBTQ plus rate hate rhetoric and anti-trans lies while spending your time in Congress blocking even the most common sense gun safety laws. Ocasio-Cortez tweeted, you don't get to have quote thought and prayers your way out of this. Look inward and change. Dehumanizing rhetoric leads to dehumanizing actions, which quickly translate to violence, shootings, and worse. Cortez added in an Instagram post about Boebert. Aldrich is set to make a virtual court appearance on Wednesday. So, this shooter is a non-binary. Now, if I'm to go ahead with the media template, I'm supposed to immediately call out non-binary people, right? And say that they are uh, uh, need to be uh, restricted. Maybe they need to have uh, their social media accounts uh, uh monitor more closely maybe we need to have a, a a public discussion about whether or not it's it's helpful for non-binary people to go around saying they them because that leads them to do uh, horrible things right that's what we're supposed to think because imagine if this was a maga person okay imagine if if mr mrs mix aldrich said that instead of saying they're they're they them they are him, her, or he, she, or they said, look, I think that uh, Donald Trump was a good president. Do you know that right now we would be having conniption fits on, on, on the media, the Democrats and the media, and also on, on the Capitol Hill would be having conniption fits saying that how this proves once and for all that Donald Trump must be banished from public life and be banished from any type of uh, intercourse with the public uh, at all because of his uh, ability to stoke hatred and violence. But now here we have this mix. Uh, Aldrich is a him, her, or she, shim, whatever. And uh, there's that just totally explodes the whole dynamic of what we should do now, because the media tells us that if there are certain, if it meets a certain criteria, then we must go all in as a uh, as Acacia Cortez here did in blaming Lauren, Bur- Lauren Bobart for um, motivating this. But who are we to blame for this? Who are you to blame for this? We're we're left without any guidance from the uh, from the uh, uh, in the uh, the class of uh, intellectuals that we call media and celebrities. And also, what do we do? Is Jimmy Kimmel weighed in on this? Is what I want to know. What what does Jimmy Kimmel think about this? Is Jimmy Kimmel going to give us a solemn monologue now? Is he going to give us a uh, you know a heartfelt? Uh, look into our hearts and, and see what we should do about the uh, the non-binaries out there who are shooting up nightclubs. 
this just exposes the utter uh, uh, imbecilic responses that you get from people like Ocasio-Cortez in the media and this guy Ben Collins. They're so uh, faultless. They, the, the, the depth of their intellectual curiosity is so shallow that they can't go beyond their programmed reflex uh you know, macros that they could have programmed to spout out of their mouths. Every time something like this happens, they just have to go ahead and go with what it is. And they know it's the, the, uh, the, uh, the alt-right, uh, uh, MAGA people, all these people, these, these people that dare say that, you know, common sense gun control that they call it is, is something that they oppose. And that common sense gun control basically is going to end up being, you don't have any guns. That's the most common sense gun control that they can see. There's another post. There's another headline here that there's been another shooting now already. Okay, so this is in uh, where is this at? Uh, there's another shooting. Anyway, it took place in a, a nightclub, I think, or not a nightclub. It took place at a supermarket. Maybe let me get ahead of myself. Anyway, it was it was done with a. Yeah, Chesapeake Walmart. Six dead after gunman opens fire in Chesapeake Walmart. This is from Breitbart. This happened uh, just recently. It says six people are dead after a gunman opened fire inside a Chesapeake, Virginia Walmart roughly an hour before the store was closed. CNN reports the shooting suspect is also dead. Uh, He was shot by police. And anyway, this guy apparently used a handgun. Now, that goes against the uh, uh, that goes against the narrative, right? Because it's always the AR-15 that's the, the, to blame. The gunman who opened fire in a Chesapeake, Virginia Walmart Tuesday night was allegedly a manager who used a pistol to kill six people. This is from A.W.R. Hawkins in uh, Breitbart. Breitbart News observed that six people were killed when the gunman opened fire around 10 p.m. Tuesday, and the gunman was dead as well. No details were known about the gunman or type of firearm used. Uh, and then on Wednesday morning, that's that's when it was originally reported. And on Wednesday morning, it was reported on Tuesday at 10 p.m. On Wednesday morning, Chesapeake Police Chief Mark Soleski noted the alleged gunman was a Walmart employee who used a pistol. So gunmen's or gunmen that use pistols now is not what we were told. You know, we were told the AR-15s are the bad guns, right? Assault rifles. Well, now this guy used a pistol. So now common sense gun control uh, has to include pistols. Is that right? I mean, that can only be the only thing we we could take from this, because as we know, the knee jerk reaction to anything that is is violent like this, that has to do with the guns is that it's gun violence and is due to the gun. Nothing is said about the rotten culture that we have. Nothing said about uh, lack of uh, the people who are in the law enforcement taking these people off the streets if they are dangerous. A lot of times these people have already committed crimes that would have gotten them um, put in behind bars. Um, who was that recently? There was somebody who was uh, a shooter and he was supposed to be off the streets. Oh, it was this guy, the guy, the shooter in, uh, in Colorado. Yeah, he was supposed to have he threatened to blow up his mother's house. And uh, the DA did not uh, chose not to prosecute him to the full extent. I don't know what they prosecuted him as. But anyway, the point of it is, is this person was not prosecuted aggressively. And because they weren't prosecuted aggressively, this is what we have to deal with now is now they're shooting up a nightclub. And so we don't talk about that. We don't talk about the rotten culture. We don't talk about uh, the lack of uh, parents at homes. We don't talk about any of that. All we talk about is guns because that's the most politically advantageous thing for these uh, lightweight, 
weak, weak minded Democrats in the media and also in the in the Congress to go with. And also add in there the weak minded rhinos who all reflexively go for it. You know, if, if this person here, this person, this Colorado nightclub shooter had turned out to be a MAGA Republican. OK, God forbid you would have seen a probably Congress would probably be meeting today to take in more gun control measures just because of that fact. The fact that it's a non-binary person, all of that stuff will go away. This pro- this story may not even exist by tomorrow, by Thanksgiving. By Thanksgiving, after Thanksgiving, this story may be completely wiped solely because of the person who did the shooting was not someone who fit their narrative. They will drop it like a rock. And it, if it had met their narrative, though, you would see all of the shock troops spring into action. The Democrats in the media would have sprung into action. The Democrats in Congress would have sprung into action. Joe Biden, the animated corpse uh, president that we have, would have sprung into action reading the teleprompter, albeit with slurred speech and uh, reading the uh, reading the uh, things that aren't supposed to be read. Next line, period, and so forth. And anyway, so... Uh, it's just to show you how unserious we are as leadership is that 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 you could say leadership in government or whatever about really addressing what the problem is with shootings. And what is the problem with shootings, you know, and nightclubs anywhere is it gets back to cultural rot. I mean, why does anybody commit crime at, at the very base of it is most people who commit crime are not moral people. And we as a society are not a moral society. This is not news, but that's what we're promoting. We're promoting, promoting immoral societies, immoral societies. Morals are, are to be done away with. Morals, we're told, is if you teach morals or morality, that's you're trying to take us back to the 50s. Oh, you want to take us back to the times when uh, black people didn't have rights. You want to go back to the 50s where women weren't allowed in the workforce. That's what we're told. And if you do anything that's against the uh, mainstream, uh, no, sorry, the mainstream, anything that's against traditional conservative values or anything that promotes traditional conservative values, married, married parents, raising children in a a Christian home, a Judeo-Christian home, um, doing things like going to church, celebrating Thanksgiving of all things, you know, celebrating Thanksgiving now is racist, we're told. I haven't read anything about it, but it happens every year. All of the uh, nitwits over at the New York Times and all these other uh, mental midgets, they always talk about how Thanksgiving's this terrible thing. You know, I don't know if this guy thinks that. I mean, I don't know what the woman at the who does the 1619 Project, she's probably weighed in already about Thanksgiving. But, you know, the woman who does the 1619 Project, she probably thinks Thanksgiving's terrible. But ask Jamal Hinton. Does he think uh, Thanksgiving's terrible? You know, he and he met this nice lady, Wanda, and they're friends now. It just goes to show you how, how warped the sensibilities are of the uh, quote unquote intellectuals, the people who, uh, who 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 deem to rule us, the people who think that they are the 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 opinion the opinion makers, the ones who are 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 molding the minds of Americans who are who are leading us on the on the way to. Uh, uh, to be uh, morally superior by accepting all of their different variations on how society be, should, should be organized according to their uh, their whims, you know, you know, broken homes, uh, government government taking the place of the father in the homes. That mostly is the, the the things that they promote promote 
a dissolution of the nuclear family in favor of a family that is fragmented, in favor of a family that is a secular, in favor of a family that is, if anything, non-traditional and and and, and therefore being non-traditional, uh, revoking or uh, dismissing the values of, of before as as old-fashioned and and possibly racist or misog- misogynistic, and so those people are the ones that are promoted in the media and everywhere else as being the ones who are the, are the, the real truth, the real truth givers are the ones that we should follow. But in actuality on the streets and everyday America, if we were to follow more of a traditional value system, we wouldn't have the shootings that we have now, like we have, and it's not because of the guns. It's not because of the guns, the guns is uh you know, as the old saying goes, you know, it's like blaming a fork for, for being fat. You know, the guns is a tool to use. You know, what about the, 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 the killer that was um, not apprehended yet? You know, these poor people who were murdered in those college students, four people now, college students murdered in their sleep. It's so it looks to be. And the media has done a bang up job of misreporting that all the way along the ways. Tracy and I were talking about this morning. They originally reported this as a murder that took place in a party house. Now they're saying it wasn't a party house and this, that, and the other. Anyway, the, the people who were murdered in their sleep murdered with a knife, but that doesn't fit the narrative. You know, that, that only fit, that only fits in to the media because it's kind of strange and bizarre for the shock value of it. You know, like Don Henley's song, dirty laundry, you know, people love it. People love it when you, uh, what they say? People love to see you bleed. I think the lyric went anyway, dirty laundry, the, the song from Don Henley about how the media just loves, uh, to promote just bad things. And that's how they get off. They get off on reporting bad things. And that's their, that's their MO. You know, it's like Rush Limbaugh used to call them the drive by media. And that's what they do. They just drive by and they blow up a story. They, they cause all kinds of damage. And then before anybody realizes what's going on, they've moved on to the next one and they've done another drive by. And that's what the drive by media does. So the drive by media is covering this, this killing with a knife, but it doesn't, there's a knife. So the important thing is not that someone was killed with a knife or someone was killed with a gun. The important thing is that someone was killed. And you have to look at the depravity that goes behind killing somebody. What is that? And what have we done to address that? You know, it starts at home though, obviously. I don't know. Anyway, it's terrible. This is from American greatness. Jen Saki investigations for thee, but not for me. This is by uh, Julie Kelly, who does great work. Former White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki, much like her old boss, is a big fan of investigations. From her perch at the podium in the James S. Brady press briefing room, Psaki routinely endorsed criminal, civil, and congressional inquiries into the events of January 6th and warned the individuals targeted, including Donald Trump and his former aides, that they must comply with the legal process. A reporter asked Psaki during the first briefing whether Joe Biden believed Donald Trump should be held accountable for the Capitol insurrection. Uh, calling the four-hour disturbance that afternoon a horrific, horrific event. Saki said Joe Biden had spoken with lawmakers on how to proceed, and he was going to leave it to the members of Congress to carry out their constitutional duty to determine what the path forward is, Saki announced. Saki later announced that Biden would not extend executive privilege to his predecessor related to the January 6th Select Committee's inquisition, given the investigations investigators' carte blanche access to all Trump's public records for most of 2020, most of which had nothing to do with January 6th. 
We are and have been working closely with congressional committees and others as they work to get to the bottom of what happened on January 6th, an incredibly dark day in our democracy. Anyone who divides congressional subpoenas, Saki noted, could face criminal charges. But Saki, unsurprisingly, is taking a different approach now that she is a defendant in a sprawling civil lawsuit seeking to uncover the federal government's deep collaboration with big tech to suppress free speech and promote Biden's political interests. So now the Biden administration is being sued and they're being sued by states of Missouri and Louisiana for violating First Amendment rights for American citizens. Saki is one of more than five dozen current and former federal officials, including Biden, Dr. Fauci, and Surgeon General Vivek Murthy, uh, being sued by the states of Missouri and Louisiana for violating First Amendment rights of the American citizens. This is from the lawsuit filing. Having threatened and conjoled social media platforms for years to censor viewpoints and speakers disfavored by the left, senior government officials in the executive branch have moved into a phase of open collusion with social media companies to suppress disfavored speakers, viewpoints, and content on social media platforms under the Orwellian guise of halting so-called disinformation, misinformation, malinformation, the complaint reads. Under the First Amendment, the federal government should play no role in policing private speech or picking winners and losers in the marketplace of ideas. But that is what federal officials are doing on a massive scale, the full scope and impact of yet of which is yet to be determined. And the lawsuit cited numerous instances, instances when Saki gloated about the White House's partnership. So, you know, this was back when Saki was a press secretary. They had these uh, meetings regularly with these social media companies and Saki would brag about how they were meeting with Facebook and they were helping them and they were helping them to figure out what was misinformation and having to do with COVID mostly. Uh, but anything that was deemed a uh, anything that was deemed misinformation by the government then was passed along to these social media companies who dutifully uh, did the bidding of the government in basically eliminating the speech of the uh, of Americans. So this is what this lawsuit's about. But Saki says that she can't do the lawsuit because, you know, she's a she's a busy, important person. Judge Terry Doty from the Western District of Louisiana last month ordered Saki to sit for a deposition, de- deposition, finding that the ex-spokeswoman, quote, has personal knowledge about the issue concerning citizen censorship across social media as it's related to COVID-19 and ancillary issues of COVID-19. Dowdy further concluded that any burden on Saki is outweighed by the need to determine whether free speech has been suppressed. On November 1st, Saki was served with a subpoena ordering her to appear for a sworn deposition in Arlington, Virginia, near her home. Saki, however, does not have time. The newly minted MSNBC contributor, Saki is slate the newly minted MSNBC contributor, Saki is slated to host her own show on the network starting this year, is simply too swamped. The burdens of preparing and sitting for any wide-ranging deposition are significant, let alone the deposition of a former senior administration official. Saki's legal team wrote in a November 3 motion to quash the subpoena. Imposing that burden on Ms. Saki, a non-party private citizen, isn't that funny, is entirely unwarranted in this record. So it doesn't matter that Donald Trump was a non-party uh, a private citizen before, or a private citizen at least. They they still impeached him, impeached him in a kangaroo court, kangaroo court impeachment that shouldn't even be constitutional because the, the the chief justice didn't even participate because he knew it was bullshit. 
Anyway, in a separate statement to the court, Saki claimed that, quote, sitting for a deposition in this matter would be extremely burdensome for me. Among other things, I understand that I would need to devote several days to preparing for the deposition, as well as to attending the deposition itself. That would be highly disruptive to both my work and my family. You know, that's so precious. Here's this woman, Jen Saki, who sat on the uh, up there expounding about how, you know, all of these people out there who are who are disruptors of uh, polite discourse should be banned from public speech and, and all, uh, you know, we should ban them on social media. And then Donald Trump himself and all the different officials who contribute, they should all be brought before the altar of the uh, left wing uh, social justice warriors in the Department of Justice and made to pay for their for their uh, for their crimes. But yet I am too busy. And it says here, Saki's lawyers attempted to bypass Doughty. They filed a, mo- a motion to quash the subpoena in the Eastern District of Virginia, where Saki lives and will likely sit for the deposition. But the Ju- Virginia judge wasn't having any part of it, ordering the matter returned to the Louisiana court where the lawsuit originated. In other words, the judge told Saki to circle back. Her lawyers immediately filed another motion to halt her deposition. On Monday afternoon, Judge Daldy denied her second motion to quash, accusing Saki of, quote, making an end run around this court's prior ruling. Saki also, or Daldy also mocked Saki's argument that she's, quote, too busy, meaning she's too important, of course, to be bothered with legal matters. Daldy says, were the court to find Saki has an undue burden here, every person subject to a deposition uh, subpoena would have grounds to quash. Absolutely. Preparing for and giving a deposition is part of the normal process for every person subpoenaed for a deposition. It is not an undue burden. See, that's the problem with these people is they live in this bubble. They live in this bubble where everything they do is celebrated. They are of the left. Everything that they do is reinforced and regurgitated and celebrated. So if you're a member of the left, imagine being a part of this group. You're a member of the left. Your opinions are called correct, moral, upstanding. Your opinions are reflected throughout all media, all quote unquote mainstream media, all corporate media. Your opinions are reinforced throughout the media. The things that you believe in and hold dear are also reinforced and celebrated by the entertainment industry. Even and to go even further, if anything, if, if there's anything out there, an opinion or otherwise that goes against your uh, beliefs, then those people are called out by the media, by the government, by the establishment. And so you're made to feel so safe in this cocoon where everything that you do is great and everybody around you, anyone around you who disagrees is the enemy and is, is held forth as the enemy and is, uh, is dealt with accordingly. And so along comes this deposition where these two states, how dare they challenge your, your, your feelings that the states of Missouri and Louisiana, that you violated someone's First Amendment rights. Well, how dare they? You were simply 
trying to protect everyone from misinformation. You're trying to protect people from malinformation, from disinformation, from all of the things that you hold hold dear, because the things that you believe are not ever to be considered misinformation. You are the pure as the wind driven snow, and you are the correct 100 percent of the time. And we know this because the government uh, reinforces it that this you are among the woke aristocracy. You are the correct believer. You are the true believer. And yet here comes this judge along trying to make you do a deposition. And you say, look, I can't. This is shocking. This is shocking to you. And so you try to get out of it and you say, look, I can't do it. I'm too busy. And then who is this judge to come along and tell you that you have to do this when clearly all you were doing was acting in the best interest of society and by by trying to limit these people's free speech? Because in her mind. This is shocking to her. In her mind, Jin Saki thinks all these people that she silenced, they should be silenced. They're lucky that they're only being silenced in a, in a true just society. These people who spread misinformation in her mind, who spread, uh, who spread malinformation, these people should not only be silenced, they should be reeducated potentially. You know, they should be made to pay for their for their misdeeds. You know, how is it that they're allowed to go out and spread misinformation and just that's it? They should be glad that they're only being silenced. You know, if, if Jen Saki had her way and the people around Jen Saki, people who think like Jen Saki, these people shouldn't just be silenced. These people should be banished from polite society and potentially punished and reeducated in gulags. But that's not what happened. And so this is shocking to the sensibilities. And this is what happens when you live inside this bubble, this bubble that allows you to just kind of uh, only believe the things that are important to you are actually the things that are, are true. You know, if you're in this bubble that you believe that, uh, you know, vaccines are, are the things that everyone must have. And anybody who disagrees with that is wrong. You believe that uh, people are oppressed based on their skin color and the people doing their oppressing are people of another skin color. And if you don't believe that you're wrong, uh, you believe that guns are the reason for violent crimes. And the only reason that people are murdered in record numbers every weekend in Chicago is because of the guns. It's not because of the rotten culture. It's not because of the rotten government. It's not because of um, uh, uh, Democrat rule for decades, potentially centuries in these cities. It's because of the guns so you're not allowed to believe that you must believe what she believes. And if you don't, then then you're just you're you're spreading misinformation. You're spreading malinformation. Um, you are incorrect. And then along comes this and it just is shocking to the system. And we'll see what happens uh, if she ends up giving a deposition. Uh, it's just funny, though. Every now and then, every now and then the courts come back and put people in their place. Um, in the same time that this is happening in one court system, another court system, the Department of Justice is now going to investigate Donald Trump further. <laughs> it's almost laughable at this point. I mean, you know, it's it's funny that they're going to investigate Donald Trump. I now think it's for his, uh, I guess he's, he's his uh, documents. Now he's getting investigated for that. There's special counsel. Jack Smith has been appointed. And uh, so it's interesting. And at the same time, now they're starting, finally starting to come around to saying that uh, Hunter Biden's laptop is, is, is real. I saw this report. I don't know who it was on, who did it, but CBS is reporting now. Oh, it was on uh, the Rubin report. 
uh, I believe it said the CBS is now coming around saying that the laptop was real and the stuff on the laptop is, Ooh, it's troubling. And this makes me think that maybe they're trying to look at taking up, taking out Biden. It reminds me of what you would do if, uh, if you are on the commission, the mafia commission, and you have a, a weak Don and you just want to get them removed and you start just floating stuff out there about the things that they're doing. And that's kind of what it seems like they're doing with Biden, maybe trying to squeeze them on out, maybe saying, well, maybe he should rethink running for president. Cause, uh, I don't know though. I think no matter who runs for president, it's not going to really matter. Biden is getting increasingly, increasingly, uh, disoriented though. Every time he talks, he's got this, um, now almost every time he's got a problem speaking used to be every now and then he'd have a problem speaking. Now, almost every time he speaks, there's a problem. He either mispronounces a word, he gets lost. He reads something that's not supposed to be read. Um, it's a problem. And he's 80 now. So he's going to be two more years. He'll be 82. Ugh, I don't know. But again, I think they have it baked into the into the cake. This They're going to be able to, uh, I think they'll be able to win no matter what. I mean, I hate to say it. I hate to say it because I don't want that to happen. I want there to be a free and fair election. I would like to have a, <clears throat> some thought that the election that, that we really had was on the up and up. In Arizona, they're still counting. Well, they're not counting. They haven't certified the election yet all the way. There's a few counties that are holding out. There's two counties now, I think, uh, Cochise County and somebody else. And Mark Elias, the uh, superstar Democrat lawyer, is threatening these counties for not certifying. But they're like the mafia, you know, the way they run things. They're like the mafia, uh, the Democrat Party, that is the, the way the things that they do. If you don't, if you don't, if you if you don't go along with what they want, there it could be bad repercussions for you. So Mark Elias is threatening these counties that aren't holding out. They're holding out because there's so much uh, irregularity in these elections. Imagine for once. Imagine for a second. Just put the shoe on the other foot. Imagine instead of Kerry Lake losing to uh, Katie Hobbs and losing the way she's losing. Imagine if this was a Democrat governor imagine if this was kathy hochel let's say or no let's, let's turn it around imagine if this was uh imagine if this was stacy abrams in georgia and stacy abrams was going against brian kemp and stacy abrams leading up to the election had polling advantages that made it seem like she was going to win now granted that's not a given that's just a poll and it doesn't count but imagine that was the case and then imagine when the election comes, Stacey Abrams was ahead by like 10 points or so. And then suddenly it looks like Brian Kemp was going to win. And then on the day of the election, they say, well, we all of the counties where Stacey Abrams supporters usually vote these these heavily Democrat, historically Democrat districts. We have problems with the voting machines here. And imagine if instead of all of the K, uh, sorry, the Kerry Lake supporters that were giving these testimonies about how they weren't able to vote appropriately, how they were made to wait, how they were told that their ballot uh, put it in this box and we'll count it later and all these different problems that they had, the long lines and everything. Imagine instead of that happening in Arizona, Kerry Lake's district, that that happened in Georgia with Stacey Abrams districts. Do you think that we would just be sitting around just saying, well, uh, we just got to wait for it to play out. Uh, and the media would just be saying, oh, it, it's over now. We just need to accept it. We need to move on. 
the Congress would be. Uh, imagine the Democrat Party, for instance. What would uh, the Democrat Party be doing right now if that was going on in Georgia? There would be hell on earth going on in the Democrat Party right now. They would be raising so much hell right now, and the Democrats and the media would be raising so much hell right now that they would force something to happen, either another election or something. But because it's Kerry Lake in Arizona, Republicans are doing what they always do. They're just, you know, they say, well, that's the way it rolled, and uh, we're, we're just going to, you know, try try better next time without even looking into it. Uh, at all to see if there's something else going on. The only person who's doing anything, I guess, is uh, Carrie Lake herself. I think I saw to the Republican National Committee maybe thrown in. But at the end of the, and the, the story, I mean, the basic point is, is that the Democrats fight to win. Uh, Republicans uh, try to not lose. And if they do lose and they just uh, take their uh, loss and then say, well, we'll try next time. And what else is there? That's it for today. Anyway, if you're joining us, thank you for joining us. Go on to drtommy.com slash podcast and click subscribe. Thank you for listening. And then, like I said, if you're in the area and you want to come in for a consult for concierge medicine, come and visit us. Uh, Tracy and I will be glad to talk to you about how we can help you uh, get around the uh, the insurance industry. You know, I was one of the things I wanted to say before I go is I'm thankful for being out of the insurance business. Um, when I first graduated, I... 2010, I finished training for a resident or fellowship in sports medicine, and I worked for a few years in the insurance um, world as far as as you know practicing medicine. I am so thankful not to be in that world anymore. It is such a burden. It is such a uh, a hassle, and the way that you have to practice medicine there is so far different than what I practice medicine now. When I practice medicine now, it's 100% devoted to what the patient's concerns are. It's 100% devoted to figuring out what's best for the patient. The only way insurance comes into play for us is when we use the insurance to help the people pay for something. But as far as the insurance telling us what we can and can't do, as far as insurance saying that you can't have a physical yet because uh, you know, you've had a physical within the last year, it's a few days too early. Or as far as the insurance saying, well, you can't be seen for a physical and medical complaint the same day. Or as far as insurance uh, saying, uh, we're not going to reimburse you to uh, send a patient a prescription uh, over over the phone so then it behooves you to make the patient come in and pay a copay so that you can get some kind of uh, reimbursement for taking care of that patient. None of that happens. You know, it's a, such a blessing. And at the same time, the patients too, you know, they when they call, they don't have to wait for two, for, you know, on the phone tree, they can call us directly. They don't have to say, well, you know, you, I, you're, you have an illness now and your appointment will have you on appointment in two weeks if you're lucky. None of that happens. And it's so, I'm so, so thankful for that. And I'm so thankful for our patients who have allowed us to take care of them over the years. And uh, we're just thankful to uh, be able to do what we're doing and being able to do it in the free state of Florida. There was a time when this type of, when I first started, when the practice uh, of doing this type of medicine, this insurance-free medicine was under heavy assault and you can't ever let your guard down because then they always come back, but they were, this type of, this type of thing is, it's like the establishment doesn't like this. This is outside the norms. You know, the things that we do, we, we may treat people that are, um, 
you know, we may we may make suggestions for people that is not what the the government says we should do, and it's not what the medical establishment says you should do. For instance, you know, um, I'm not going to make you wear a mask every time you walk in the door, although that's what you'll encounter in most medical practices. I'm not going to tell you ad nauseum that you must be vaccinated against this or that. I'm not going to make you go on a statin if you have had a lot of problems with a statin. I'm not going to say that you um, every time that you come in that you need to fill out a questionnaire to see if you're depressed or not. So then I can put you on SSRI. So there's all the things that are driven by medical establishment types, whether it be the insurance companies, whether it be the uh, the uh, governing bodies, so to speak. So we don't have to do any of that. We can just meet with people and meet with them on a one to one level, honest discussion about what their needs are. And as little as possible, let the insurance companies interfere with our with our uh, interaction. And usually they don't interfere at all. The only time they interfere is like if we're trying to get a medic medication covered or every now and then like an imaging order. But as far as our interaction with the patients, zero interference, which is something thankful for. Anyway, thank you for joining us. And if you, uh, like I said, subscribe if you're interested in uh, following us and then follow us on YouTube. I'm sorry, not YouTube, Rumble. And then uh, any of the uh, podcasting platforms, we're on all of them, Amazon, Spotify, everything else. And please have a great Thanksgiving and please be safe. And our thoughts and prayers go out to all those people who are victims of violence, despite what these uh, uh, politicians say, thoughts and prayers do mean something. And uh, and please uh, look into your local governments and try to get the the, the terrible governors and governing the people who are in the government who are likely causing most of the problems in your area, whether it be crime or whatever, that's the ones you have to be able to work, uh, look out for. It's getting rid of that rotten culture and the rotten government that you have. And that that will help you um, in any, better than banning any guns. And so in techni- until next time, we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.